This is a special presentation of Fort Wayne Sports Station, ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. It's the High School Coaches Show. Here's your host, Justin Kinney. Welcome in, everyone. Thursday edition of the High School Coaches Show. I'm Justin Kenny here with a producer that will not be named because he's dogging me already. We haven't even started the show yet. 20 seconds in. But, uh. What's up, Justin? What's up, DZ Hendricks? Ah, <laughs> uh, man. What a great way to start, right? Well, you're, you know, you're, you're picking on me. I gotta, I gotta deal with you tomorrow during the sports rush, Dude. too, for a whole two hours. Yeah, that's so right. We're gonna have to come up with something interesting to talk about tomorrow. But, uh, but yeah, th- despite, uh, you talking crap, thank you for, uh, sticking around. Help me out here from six to seven. Talking area high school basketball. Plenty to talk about. Got semifinals and finals coming up in the sectional on the girls' side. And it was a big slate of boys' basketball games tonight. Uh, non traditional night for, for a heavy night of basketball. But because of the girls' sectional week, uh, it's kind of thrown the uh, schedule off on the boys' side. But, uh, several games already been postponed for the evening obviously with school being out today uh some more cancellations have come in since with the uh with the uh rain snow mix that we've been getting the last couple hours but um we got a, a full show, reasonably full show for you until 7 o'clock. Dan Vance of Outside the Huddle.net will join us here in just a few minutes. And we'll go go over a lot of the semis coming up tomorrow on the girls' side and also some boys' action to catch up on. Uh, Eric Thornton, Norwell Knights, will join us at about 6.15. We'll talk some uh, girls' basketball as his team prepares uh, for a matchup tomorrow against Mississinawa at Mississinawa. And then the uh, winner will play either Belmont or Oak Hill on Saturday night. So if very competitive sectional at Mississippi. We'll talk to Coach Thornton about that. And then the bottom of the hour, Rod Chamble, Northrop Bruins, will join us. Talk some boys basketball. His team knocked off Homestead last Friday night in a surprising win on the road and then uh, fell short on Saturday at Marion but gave a uh, admiral effort down there uh, against the Giants. So we'll talk to Coach Chamble about the state of SAC boys basketball. But, D.C., we're going to bring on the guy that uh, you enjoy dogging me with. It's uh, Mr. Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net joining us right now. Dan, what's up? Oh, not much, man. It's it's fair. I can only talk to you once a day, and this is twice today. So It is. We're way past the quota. I feel um, bad for your wife. Huh? <laughs> Plenty of people do. Uh, let's be honest. Um, uh, Dan, yeah, we, so we saw each other at the Mad Ants game this afternoon. Uh, it was unfortunate because they had a lot of uh, kids lined up to come, and then hardly anybody had school. So, um, But it was still a good, good game, Mad Ants win. But we're going to talk some, some high school basketball. And first off, give us an update on the state of things tonight in the area. Are there any big games that are still on that we know of as of right now? Um, there's not much that's going on. Uh, a couple of NECC games, or NECC teams at least, that are still playing. Um, we're going to see Angola, last I knew, still hosting Concordia tonight. Uh, and then I know that Cherubusco and uh, Lakeland is still on. In the city, really, though, uh, only option is over Blackhawk Christian. Blackhawk Christian and Southside squaring off tonight, and that's mostly because Blackhawk doesn't have a free Saturday. Most of the games from tonight, or a lot of them anyway, getting posted Saturday. 
and Blackhawk Christian playing at Basketball Day Indiana at Kokomo this weekend against Christmas Attic. So they have a free day, so they'll play Southside tonight. And uh, I, I saw that Basketball Day at Kokomo, pretty cool event that they're putting on uh, this Saturday. We could go down a road of why doesn't uh, somebody in Northeast Indiana doing the same, but we'll have plenty to have time to talk about that, I'm sure, once all basketball's over in the spring. But, uh, Dan, storylines, before we get to the girls' side, let's talk boys, talk storylines. We look particularly at the Northeast 8. Uh, Norwell, Columbia City is a game that um, is huge in the NE8. Of course, um, you know New Haven already knocked off Columbia City last week. But uh, the state of that conference, where we see it, can anybody um, have a ch- Does anybody have a chance to knock off Norwell? Uh, it's tough at this point. I only have two conference games left. Obviously, the Columbia City one scheduled for tonight, rescheduled uh, as in about a noon game, noon twelve thirty tip off on Saturday now uh, for Norwell and Columbia City. It's tough, and part of that is because Norwell is so strong at home, and they're playing some of the best teams, including Columbia City at home. They had New Haven at home. They had Leo at home. Um, just came off. I watched them last Saturday. Played great in the second half against an East Noble team that has been playing good lately. Gave them a run. Uh, Norwell did not allow a made field goal in the fourth quarter of that game. So East Noble scores just three points in the last quarter, and, and Norwell just kind of pulls away and did so with Will Geiger in foul trouble for most of the game. And that's been the impressive thing about him all year is that these other guys have stepped up. Will Geiger has done what he does. He has double-doubles every night. Uh, but Connor Torson and Drew Federspiel, Eli Riley, Luke McBride, uh, Leighton Bailey, some of those guys stepping up from Norwell. They're tough, and they're deep in the Northeast State right now. Dan, the state of the SAC, you have Snyder and Bishop Lures atop the conference at 5-1. and one. They'll play, what, a week from Friday, I want to say? Week from tomorrow, yeah. Week from tomorrow, okay. On so, Valentine's Day. Oh, not very nice. So that could very well decide the SAC. But let's talk Homestead. And I think we kind of, we don't dog on Homestead, but we kind of focus on them when things aren't going well, just because we're so used to them going well. They play Lawrence North tough. And had a chance to beat them a week and a half ago, uh, and that's a 16 and one Wildcats team. But then they lose at home to Northrop last Friday. I know Zach Kruger's out. I know Jake Archibald was out for that game. So pretty much their starting point guard and their best on-ball defender. But are there greater concerns for Homestead overall in the stretch run here in February, or were we just attributing this uh, this lean stretch to injuries? Well, I think you're going to attribute a lot of it to that, and, and obviously it's tough to get no rhythm. Not only have they had people out, they've had different people out. You mentioned that Kruger and Jake Archibald, they've been missing Preston Barker, Grant Simmons missed some time. So when you have different guys out um, and, and you have to get a little more lean, obviously there's guys who have stepped up. Patrick Roddenbush has been great for him in that stretch. Uh, Andrew Leeper has really gotten some good varsity minutes and really stepped up in that stretch as well. So luckily Homestead has that ability to have the next guy up. But, yeah, it's hard to get your footing when you have so many guys out and different guys. You know, they, they look like they were going to be solid again. Simmons back in the lineup. Um, and then Archibald's out ill. So it's, it's tough to kind of get any kind of, of forward force and momentum when you have different guys out all the time. What do you make of, of Snyder? I mean, they've won three games by a single point in the last two-plus weeks. They hadn't done that in the last 12 seasons combined. Find a way to beat Carroll on the road last week. Uh, that that Cherubusco comeback that we talked about last week was huge. Uh, what do you make of this team now, 14-3, and three, some big gains coming up next week in particular, at Blackhawk Christian on Tuesday, at Lures on Friday? Uh, is this the team to beat in the SAC as of right now? And could they be capable of making a deep run in 4A? 
I think they're the team to beat right now just because uh, how do you beat them? And, you know, Cherubusco had them beat for 31 minutes last week. Uh, not a great game out of Snyder, a really good game out of Cherubusco. And the Eagles had that game won for 31 minutes. And the Snyder makes about the most improbable comeback I've ever seen in person to, to score, you know, come from down 10 with 45 seconds to go to win that game at the buzzer. Uh, and then, you know, they pour it on. They have a great game against the Cal last week, a three-win week, beat up on uh, them, and then went up and beat Carroll. And it's always hard to win at Carroll. So I just don't know how you beat them right now. they got a lot of guys, obviously, Duff, Dylan Duff and Michael Ely at the top of the food chain. But, you know, John Barnes is hitting big shots. Jay Sean Underwood has played great on both sides of the ball. Usually we're just talking about him as a defender. He's played great offensively. Uh, Jade Moore stepping up. Carson Jenkins had a really good week last week. So, you got a lot of guys playing well for them. They're just kind of rolling along. And, you know, that's the, that was the question about Snyder. Last year, they lost in the holiday tournament in the finals. And then it just, there was never solid ground. There were games they should have won, but they didn't. This year, they've been tough since they lost in that holiday tournament final to Carroll. They have just one loss, and it was to number one Lawrence North. And other than that, they just kind of rolled through or, you know, gone through by the skin of their teeth sometimes, but they're doing it. They're winning the game in every way they can. And so they got to be your favorite just because I, I don't know how you beat them right now. They definitely don't uh, ever say die. Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net joining us here on the ESPN High School Coaches Show. Dan, let's look at the ACAC really quick. Bluffton can wrap up this conference with a win over Heritage this weekend. It's a team we haven't talked a lot about. The Bluffton Tigers 11-5. and They can go 6-0 and in the ACAC with a victory this weekend. Break this down, this team down for, you, for us. Coach Chris Benedict in his fourth season uh, really seems to have this team, this Bluffton team, really uh, firing on all cylinders for really the first time since he took over. Yeah, absolutely, and they've, they've won the tough games, and you look at Heritage as a, an opponent, I don't want to call it easy, but it's definitely a down year for Heritage. So, yeah, they, they're, they're rolling Tanner Cooley, basically the only major contributor back from a sectional championship team last year, has been great down low for them. He's so long. You add in Hayden Nern, who's the quarterback on the football team, another kid who's just very tough down low. Kane Thornton has shot the ball extremely well. They're a team that is gritty. Um, they've adopted that. Connor Norman there, uh, after playing at Woodland last year as a junior, moved back to Bluffton, and, and he's playing great as a point guard and a facilitator. So there's a down and, and gritty team, uh, ran through Woodland, uh, a very poorly played game for Woodland before the holiday, or around the holiday time, and Bluffton kind of ran away with that and sets him up for an interesting one with Heritage. I mean, Bluffton's playing really well, but Heritage has started to play well. Uh, Luke Saylor, one of their freshmen, came out and had a great week last week, one of the best overall weeks in three games, scored the majority of Heritage points in those games. So it's not a gimme, um, but, yeah, Bluffton has, has played great and just kind of quietly become the team to beat in the ACAC. We've looked at Woodland because they played so strong. They had a nice six-game winning streak, uh, pushed Blackhawk Christian the other night for a while, um, but Bluffton is definitely the team to beat, and they've gotten through the toughest competition so far, and we'll see if they can get through Heritage. When we look at the NECC, we have three teams atop the conference with one loss. Some of them have more wins. Westview 7-1, and one, Prairie Heights 6-1, and one, Cherubusco 5-1. and one. What do we make of where this conference is at right now, and who has the edge down the stretch to win this thing? I think Busco has the edge down the stretch because of the fact that you look at all those top four teams, you have to play the other three, and where you're at, Busco has already played the other three in the regular season. Wins over Westview at Westview was great. Beat Central Noble last week. So they're sitting at 2-1 and one against those top teams. Obviously, they lost to Prairie Heights before Landon Jordan was in the lineup. Uh, Central Noble uh, still has to play Prairie Heights in the regular season. Westview still has to play Prairie Heights in the regular season. So 
uh, if Westview can get through Prairie Heights, then you're, you're looking at a Westview Busco tie us up, and then the Prairie Heights can get through both of those games, which is very hard. Westview and Central Noble, who they split with in the NECC tournament, they're there. But right now, it's, I think it's Busco uh, is in favor because they don't have to play those top teams anymore. They've already been through them. Dan, all-encompassing in 4A, it's it's brutal to get out of that regional. It's always the regional of death because we have some indie teams that float north. But when you look at the Sagarin ratings right now in 4A, there is not a single 4A team in the area that's in the Sagarin until you get down to number 19 with Carroll. The top 18 teams are out of area. Uh, do you see anybody, I mean, Snyder there at 22, Homestead at 23, but do you see anybody having a shot to, to, uh, to emerge out of that 4A regional locally? You know, it's going to be tough, and it's funny, though, because that 4A regional is kind of down this year compared to what we're used to and what we've seen in past years where basically that regional produces state finalists or state champions so much. Uh, so it's down a little bit. I think with a good run, there's there's chances. You mentioned all three of those teams from the SAC, and Snyder, Carroll, and Homestead. Healthy, uh, with the right momentum, I could see getting through that regional. But, yeah, it's always going to be tough uh, in, in 4A in the north half of the state. All right, Dan, let's talk some girls basketball here. we got semifinals coming up tomorrow. Of course, weather permitting, looks like we should get these games in. But in terms of intriguing matchups, what do you see tomorrow on the semi sectional semifinal schedule that really has your eye? Well, really looking at Concordia uh, and that 3A sectional there, uh, to me, is the most intriguing. You have the matchups of, of Angola, Concordia, Woodland, Garrett, um, Four teams that I think are all still capable of winning the sectional. We obviously look at Angola as the favorite, and for good reason. They're 21-2. and two. Uh, They have the longest active winning streak of any team in the area on the girls' side, uh, you know, and, and have won 20 straight games. So they're obviously the favorite. But Concordia is playing good basketball, knocked off Woodland last week. Uh, and Garrett's a really good basketball team, very young. Three sophomores lead them. Their best player is a freshman in Bailey Kellum. Uh, but I think all four of those teams are capable of winning that sectional. So for me, that's most intriguing. And then you look down at, at Mississippi and some good games there and a possible Norwell-Belmont uh, rematch in the finals of that. Norwell coming back after being down 19 points in the first quarter on Tuesday against Bishop Lewers, came back and won that game. Uh, kind of makes them look a little invincible right now, too. You look at, at Mississippi, like you mentioned, could be a Norwell Belmont Oak Hill there sitting as well. Um, Homestead and South look like they're on a collision course for the final at Southside. That could be a really good atmosphere on Saturday evening. How do you see that matchup shaping up? Does Southside have enough to uh, potentially knock off the Spartans? You know, it's going to be interesting. They're going to have to limit the inside play. Uh, the question with Southside, too, obviously – um, and, and team, any team that's going to play them, especially Homestead, is what did you learn from Tuesday? Because Huntington North was able to limit Southside very well in that game for big stretches. It was a two-point game at halftime, uh, South leading Huntington North, who you would expect that game to be a little more out of hand. It was a two-to-two game after the first period. Um, so what do, you, what do you learn from Huntington North? Not that Homestead plays that style, but clearly to be able to limit Southside to two points in a quarter, if your team is going to play Southside, you kind of have to take something or try to take something from that because that team is so good at getting up and down the court and scoring that the Huntington North found some sort of uh, something to work with on Tuesday. And so you have to take from that because you're going to have to stop the team defensively from getting up and down the court, uh, and you're going to have to power through them inside. 
Dan, uh, outside the huddle was first to break the resignation of Angola boys basketball coach Ed Bentley yesterday. It happened. Uh, you could debate whether it happened Tuesday night, Wednesday, whatever it happened. Uh, my question to you, and we don't need to go into detail on this particular situation, but it's just the latest example of potential parents having a lot more power than they used to have in terms of dictating what happens with a program. Do you feel we're reaching a point where parents are having too much in the way of say or power when it comes to high school athletics? I do, and, and you know, in this particular situation, I don't know all the ins and outs. I know some of them. I know rumors. I know facts, and, and you could try to make out of it what you want. But, yeah, it's a situation where, uh, you know, coaches – uh, are hired for reasons, and you know, to see something like this mid-season is unfortunate. Whatever, at the end of the day, led to his resignation. There are always two sides to the story, uh, but to see it happen mid-season, to see it happen a month before sectionals, I think that we have to look at where the involvement is and, and where the support is uh, institutionally. And if your support is with your coach, or your support is with your parents, uh, I think that that's a, an interesting question for all athletic directors and administrators. Uh, moving forward, and obviously the situation is going to bring a lot of light to that uh, because it's so odd. And now this is the second time in the last two seasons the NECC has had a coach resign midseason. Uh, we saw it at West Noble last year, but that was four or five games in. So even that one was a little less odd, I guess, than seeing a coach resign a month before sectionals. Dan, before we let you go, what is new at OutsideTheHuddle.net, my friend? Well, I'll have coverage all weekend, obviously, of the uh, girls' basketball sectionals. We'll be out at Concordia tomorrow night. We'll be out at a couple championship games on Saturday night. Uh, so you'll have coverage of that. have a story today on Angola's Allie Lawrence, a uh, big part of that girls' program and a big part of their resurgence. She's sat out all of last year. So you can kind of find out about that story, a very unique story, when we talk about kind of what we just did and a player and a coach who weren't on the same page, and instead of – freaking out instead of uh, making some big decision. She, she sat out a year and came back and, and has been a big part of that program. Uh, and tomorrow, Bounce is going to have a great column on some of the uh, most disliked things heard from the stands. Obviously, you and I, Justin, have sat in the stands a lot. D.C. has, too. You hear a lot of things at high school games, uh, and Bounce kind of touches on that tomorrow with a column. Uh, and then we'll get in next week, and we'll preview girls' regionals and definitely set up uh, some previews for the chance of the SAC title be on the line next Friday as well. Good stuff as always. All right, my man, I'm sure I will catch up to you this weekend at some sectional event, but uh, for now, appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. That was Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net joining us as he does each and every Thursday at 6 o'clock to break down uh, everything going on locally in girls and boys basketball. And of course, uh, entering sectional championship weekend as we'll crown some sectional champs on Saturday evening. And one of those teams that will be trying to win a sectional championship, something they didn't do a year ago, are the Norwell Knights. They're coached by Coach Eric Thornton. He'll join us after the break. You're listening to the ESPN High School Coaches Show. ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM. With so many popular hairstyles for men, guys, you need a haircut from stylists that specialize in men. And you can get just that at Honeycuts. Great haircuts for men and boys. The atmosphere at Honeycuts is relaxed and designed for men with comfortable couches in the waiting lounge and individual TV monitors at every station so you'll never miss the big game or any breaking sports news. The highly trained staff at Honeycuts has over 40 years' experience cutting men's hair. Honeycuts is a family-friendly environment. It's perfect to bring your boys of any age. And the smaller boys will love 
sitting on the tractor and watching cartoons while getting their hair cut. Right now, get to Honeycuts. Mention the ESPN special. And with your haircut, you'll receive a free hot neck shave, free wash, free scalp massage, and free style. You can stop in right now because Honeycuts is walk-in only for your added convenience. Just mention the ESPN special for the free hot neck shave, free wash, free scalp massage, and free style with your haircut. Honeycuts, great haircuts for men and boys at the corner of Illinois and Scott Road next to CBS. Honeycuts. This is the story of Julie Guillaume. She's a Leukemia and Lymphoma Society advocate and the mother of a child who battled blood cancer. Zach was diagnosed with AML, a deadly leukemia, when he was only five. While the treatment really attacked the cancer, unfortunately it also attacked his body. Uncontrollable fevers, terrible nosebleeds, and his skin was burned from the inside out. He died at just nine years old, really from the treatment that was meant to save him. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society was founded 70 years ago by parents who also lost their child to cancer. Today, we're pioneering breakthrough treatments for kids with cancer. We are so close to finding better treatments for kids with cancer. So it's too late to save Zach, but working together, we can save thousands of kids just like him. Visit LLS.org and save a child's life. I'm Tino from 12220. In my community, a lot of families don't encourage higher education. I'm Guy in zip code 40220. I like my neighborhood okay, but sometimes it's hard to make friends here. The Y Achievers Program opened my eyes to future possibilities and helped me prep for college. At the Y Camp, it's really a safe place. All of the people there are really accepting and nice. At the Y, my zip code doesn't define my future. I do. Support your local Y at ymca.net slash for a better us. City streets or small towns, everyone deserves a clean, green community. We are Keep America Beautiful, the nonprofit working to end littering, improve recycling, and beautify communities. Let's do beautiful things. Visit kab.org. You're listening to the High School Coaches Show on Fort Wayne Sports Station, ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Show here on a Thursday night here till 7 o'clock talking area high school basketball. Speaking of, tomorrow night, D.C. Hendricks, doubleheader out of Concordia Lutheran High School. John Nolan will bring you all the action in the uh, girls' sectional semifinals with Garrett and Woodland tipping off at 6 o'clock. It will be followed by Concordia and Angola at about 7.30, 7.40. And uh, the winners of tomorrow night will advance to... Saturday's sectional championship game that at Concordia will be played Saturday night, I believe at 7.30 Saturday evening. So we'll be crowning plenty of girls sectional champions on Saturday evening and one of the teams that hopefully for the Norwell Knights be uh, uh, lifting a sectional trophy on Saturday night. Uh, they play a tough game tomorrow against Mississinawa. Then we'll play either Belmont or Oak Hill on Saturday night if victorious tomorrow. And their head coach is Coach Eric Thornton. Joins us on the line right now. Coach, how are you? I'm good, Justin. How you doing? Hey, we're living the dream over here, Eric. And uh, you did you get a day off at least from uh, from the school day? You could just focus on basketball? 
We did a lot of basketball today, yes, we did. <laughs> nice. And uh, how are you guys feeling? I mean, you get a win um, to enter, uh, obviously, uh, beat Lures, and take us through that. I think it was 27-8 to at the end of the first quarter. Uh, first off, let's talk about that start and coming out and giving up almost 30 points in the first eight minutes. Yeah, so um, for those who don't know, we were the ones who had the eight um, at that point, down 27 to eight. It was not not part of the game plan um, for sure against a very good Lures team. Um, it just, you know, it happened. Um, it, Lures was so good at the beginning, and uh, they played with so much energy, and, and they were they were ready to play. Our girls were tight. Um, we were looked like we were going about half speed. Um, a lot of credit to Lures for that, but we, we did not come out how we wanted to play, and we got ourselves in a big hole, and um, a lot of it doesn't seem real. Uh, you, you don't think that you would be able to come back from that type of deficit, but our, our kids, this is a unique group. Um, they just don't panic. Uh, we've been down double digits to good teams before the season and have come back and won not that deep. Um, but it was early, and uh, so when you have that much time left in the game, you can really start working on uh, chipping away. I have to imagine as a coach, when you sit your girls down there at the quarter break, I mean, are you looking at them to see, okay, is there panic in the eyes? Are they calm? Do I have to coach this way as opposed to this way? What did you see when you talked to those girls and looked at them at the quarter break? Well, first of all, we were very calm with them. Uh, it would have done no good for us to uh, panic as coaches and get very emotional with them. That, that That's not something that's going to be sustainable throughout a game is to coach that way. And so um, we had a little bit of that at halftime because of the four-minute stretch before half that we felt like we wasted possessions when we had cut it to nine and then it ended up 12. We felt like we let some things go there, and that's probably when we were more upset with our kids. But our kids didn't have any panic at all. We really focused on just trying to do the right thing. I mean, that basically was it on both ends of the, the floor. You know, let's try to get better defensively. Um, we didn't feel like Lures could continue to hit um, as well as they hit. Um, in the first quarter, they had hit five threes. The last one at the buzzer that was from the volleyball line. And, um, you know, you just can't defend that. And so um, we just felt like if we could just kind of get settled in defensively. But a lot of it was our poor possessions offensively, very quick shots, not really open shots they were very contested it put us in a bad spot in our defensive transition and we gave up some things there um just because of our poor offense so we just really encouraged the kids to be about the right things and they settled in and started to get to work coach you have an ultra talented junior class and and maya shelton one of those juniors was your leading scorer in that comeback victory over bishop lures how was she able to propel this team with her scoring to a big win you know, she she was just everything for her that night was out of the flow. Um, it was never anything that we said, "Hey, we're going to you." You know, this is let's get let's get to the hot hand. Um, she has just carried herself here after a, a pretty bad uh, sprained ankle at the beginning of the Carroll game at the beginning of the month uh, in January. Sat out obviously the rest of the Carroll game and then um, sat out the next two games for us against Leo and then Dwenger. And worked herself back in against the Belmont game, a tough one for her to start with coming back. But the last couple weeks or so, Maya has really found a rhythm and is playing at a high level. And it's really all about her letting the game come to her. And that night, um, she was definitely, um, uh, she just stepped up in so many ways. But I think just her composure, um, you love to see kids when they, when they become juniors and then into their senior year. 
you love to see them step up and, and take that leadership role as far as, um, you know, modeling what composure looks like um, in a tough situation for us, too. But um, she just really thrived um, uh, in, in, throughout that game. And, uh, you know, that's a career high for her. Coach Eric Thornton of the Norwell Knights joining us here on the ESPN High School Coaches Show. Hey, Coach, uh, you know we said Maya Shelton, kind of the the, uh, the the leading scorer on Tuesday. She leads this group of juniors. Do you feel because so many people are like, well, the juniors they're kind of young, but I have to feel with the amount of basketball that these girls have played, they have to feel at some moments uh, almost like seniors in terms of on court experience and demeanor and and all that. Definitely. Um, there, there was definitely, uh, um, you know, fr- from those juniors, they've been in so many battles. Um, we, we, uh, we, we cleaned up some things on our schedule this, this season that we felt like we needed, um, for this group. And, and, uh, um, you know, they responded to the schedule so well. I think that helped us, uh, the other night. When you go down through the list of those juniors, you, you go Lauren Bales and Kaylee Filling and, um, you know, Maya, you mentioned earlier. Haley Henshin, Kylie Crow, and Grace Bratmuller, every one of those girls has had um, moments during the season where they've kind of been the kid. And um, it, it, it could be a different one or two of them every single night. And, you know, obviously we're led by a great, our, our lone senior, Brianne Barger. Um, and Bri has been a huge part of, of, of the chemistry of this group. But these juniors have really been close. Um, they've performed well on the floor for us this year. And it's great to have that balance every night. Coach, you you face a team tomorrow in Mississinawa that you handled in early January. You play a team, either Belmont or Oak Hill, that you've beaten. Do you have to guard against complacency over the next two days? Or is this team, particularly after Tuesday, focused and locked in, knowing they have to play good basketball to beat a team or even two teams that they've already beaten once before? Yeah, well, there's certainly no complacency. You know, we're we're fortunate to be be playing still um, after our start the other night. Uh, we've really encouraged our kids to learn from that, and that we can't do that again. Um, you know, I don't know that that's possible to duplicate again. Um, so we've got to get off to a better start first of all. That is the most important thing. Mississinawa will be a different game just from the standpoint of their six four girl uh, Bolser, who's who's got a full ride to Toledo. It did not play against us the first time. And so, um, you know, she just came back last week against Franklin and scored 11 points in the fourth quarter. In fact, just a few minutes of time in the fourth quarter is when she scored those 11. And so, you know, for us, it's, a, it's going to be a different game. And, and even if uh, it was against the same exact roster that we had played before, the second game is never the same. And um, so, you know, we're really focused on our start Friday night. Um, you know, we're, we're obviously hoping to stick around, um, to earn the right to play Saturday. Um, we have to earn that once again. Um, it'll continue to be that way for this group and hopefully we get to watch the second game Friday night and, and try to learn a few things and, uh, we'd love to be in that position again. It's been a couple years, so, uh, this group's pretty hungry. Coach, before I let you go, you mentioned, you know, putting together your schedule and making some changes. And I wanted to ask you, because it's something that outsiders take so much for granted. We just wait for the schedule to be posted on John Harrell and, and whatever uh, during the off season. But how much effort goes into putting a schedule together? I'm sure you and Kelby uh, Waybright, the, the AD, sit down, and you have ideas on what this team can and can't handle. And I'm sure you have some outside events that maybe sometimes invite you. But how much time, how much effort, maybe even 
how much have you put in already this year in terms of making notes and all that to put together what you feel is the best schedule for your team each and every year? What you really try to do or what what we're trying to do for our group is to not look for uh, outside the conference. We're not looking for wins. We're looking for teams that this could go 50-50. It could be either way. And and that's we have been very road tested this year. Out of our 22 regular season games, we played 13 on the road, and um, it was tough. Uh, and we're willing to travel. Um, I think it does our kids good to be in games that we could get beat if we don't play well. Um, but we also have a chance to win, a legitimate chance, not an easy chance to win. That does us no good. Uh, it doesn't help us. We want to be in games where we have to execute down the stretch and uh, every possession matters, I think that's that's quality. That's quality for us and, and allows us to, to grow our confidence. If we can win those close games, it really builds our confidence in our girls. And if we don't, like we dropped uh, our four losses this year, we're by two, two, five, and five. You know, you're going on the road to Carroll and Warsaw, you lose by five. We go on the road to Hamilton Heights and lose by two – or lose by five also um, the day after we play a physical game uh, against Huntington North. Um, you know, so those those losses were very good losses for us. And I'm not a Purdue guy, but Matt Painter said that a little bit of adversity early in the season is not a bad thing, um, and he's exactly right. Um, so we try to learn from, from those losses. We try to give our kids a chance to compete as hard as they can and, and be tested, and I think that's really helped us get to the position we're at right now. Coach, I appreciate the time. Thanks a lot for coming on with us, and uh, good luck tomorrow and, and hopefully on Saturday night. Hey, I appreciate it, Justin. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. That was Coach Eric Thornton of the Norwell Knights joining us to talk about his team, 19-4. and We'll take on Mississinawa tomorrow, 13-9, and the sectional host. 6 o'clock will be the tip at Mississinawa. That's in Gas City in Grant County if you're looking to head down there. The second game will be between a couple of 16-7 and teams, Belmont and Oak Hill. And Oak Hill is a team that at 16-7 and feels like a rebuilding year for the Golden Eagles. Todd Law has built a powerhouse in central Indiana at Oak kill and uh they want to stay title last year maybe even the year before so definitely a very very good uh basketball team uh in swayze indiana at oak hill but we're going to take a break we'll switch over to the boys side of things when we come back coach rod chamble northrup bruins will join us you're listening to espn high school coaches show espn radio 1380 100.9 fm now you can purchase your ED medications locally for less money. The Medicine Chest Pharmacy on East State in Fort Wayne has been Fort Wayne's local trusted specialty pharmacy for over 40 years. And now when you transfer your prescriptions for sildenafil or tadalafil, that's generic for Viagra and Cialis, the Medicine Chest has them available at a fraction of the cost. Easy pickup or discreet delivery available. Transfer your prescription online and refill with their mobile app. Go to MedChestRx.com now for ED medications locally for less money. From the Medicine Chest Pharmacy on East State in Fort Wayne. This Girl Scout cookie season, we Girl Scouts would like to say thank you, America. Thank you, cookie cravers, thin mint enthusiasts, peanut butter patrons, shortbread devotees. Every time you take a bite of a Girl Scout cookie, it's good for us. Your coconut and caramel cravings are our chance to practice goal setting. Your midnight snacks help us learn to manage money. Your freezers aren't just full of tasty treats. They're packed with entrepreneurship. That's right, entrepreneurship. You probably can't taste the business ethic or the decision making or the people skills but they're in there in every 
single mouthful. Every time you eat what's in the box, we learn how to think outside of it. So raise a glass of milk and raise our chances to reach our potential. Eat up, America. We're counting on you. I'm Catalina. I'm Melody. I'm Katie. I'm Devin. I'm Hannah. I'm Eddie. I'm Juliana. I'm Nicole. I'm Olivia. I'm Colette. I'm Stefania. And we approve this message. The Girl Scout Cookie Program. Think outside the box. Dreaming of becoming a professional race car driver? Speeding around empty parking lots is a start, but going pro takes time. So does quitting smoking. It's not about stopping in one day. It's about starting with day one. You just need to take that first step. Get started on your journey toward a smoke-free life with the American Cancer Society. We'll give you the support and resources you need to quit smoking. The finish line is closer than you think. Learn more at cancer.org slash smokeout. Vicky, how you doing? How's the knee? It's coming along, doctor, but still some soreness. Well, let's see. You know, this soon after surgery, some pain is pretty normal. I was hoping to get more painkillers. The first round worked great. We're being very careful with those now. Prescription painkillers are opioids, same as heroin. It's easy to start taking them, not so easy to stop. Last year in America, an average of 40 people died from opioid abuse every day. Long-term addiction has become America's newest health epidemic. So no pills? Vicki, you're doing great. So let's try these anti-inflammatories plus your physical therapy. If the soreness doesn't continue to get better, give me a call. For opioids, the smaller the dose prescribed and taken, the better. Because even a few prescription painkillers can sometimes go a long, wrong way. A message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and the Orthopedic Trauma Association. Visit orthoinfo.org slash prescription safety. Now back to the High School Coaches Show with Justin Kinney on Fort Wayne Sports Station. ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back. ESPN High School Coaches Show. I'm Justin Kenny here with DC Hendricks, who has a big problem with my handwriting. Calling wrong numbers after the break, trying to get a hold of Rod Chamble. It's an ongoing battle with us, isn't it? And I even tried to write that nicely. I don't even know where to begin with their handwriting. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's, it's my fault. It's pretty comparable to my seven and six year old. Yeah, I think that's a. Uh, 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 worthy criticism on my. <laughs> now it looks good. You fixed it now. I did. I I highlighted. Got a complex it now. It definitely looks like a seven now. It looks good now. And I even tried to write that nicely. I felt okay. I'm gonna write it nice so DC can get it, and then you're dying the wrong number. It's my bad. It's my fault. It's my fault. That's why when I got a real job out of college, I was typing on the computer. There was no <laughs> writing whatsoever, at least physical writing. But, uh, yeah, we, we got him on the phone, though. We got Rod Chamble after some efforts. We're going to talk some SAC boys basketball with Coach Chamble, who's on the line with us right now. Coach, how are you? Oh, man, doing great, man. Good to hear you guys. How's your handwriting, Coach? <laughs> hey, you know, that class was so long ago, man. I don't know if I passed or failed it. I hear you, man. It was the one class that kept me off the honor roll every year. Seriously. <laughs> It'd be that C+. Plus. They even tried to throw me a bone. C+, plus. I still didn't know. It was bad. Right. But uh, let's talk some hoops, man. I mean, you guys kind of been back and forth. A good win. Let's talk about the one last Friday at Homestead. Kind of caught everybody by surprise. I know Homestead's missing a couple guys, but you guys went on the road and executed against a quality opponent and got a big conference victory. Yeah, you know, playing against Johnson, man. Johnson do a great job getting his kids prepared. So regardless of who he puts on the floor, you got to be ready. 
uh, you know, so anytime you can go to Homestead and, and get a W, man, is is really a rare thing. So one of those situations where, you know, we had been close with them a few times before when we played there. So, you know, our kids were comfortable and they, you know, the kids that are seniors remember the last time we were there. So it really was a situation where we just felt like if we could stay close to them uh, up into the fourth quarter, we gave ourselves, we would give ourselves an opportunity to win the game. And kids just matched their intensity, man. And they played really hard, and our kids uh, matched it early. And uh, we just wanted to stay close, like I said before, and uh, was able to come out with the victories. Coach, one thing I've noticed with the schedule this year, and I know this is something you like to do, you get that big conference game on Friday, and then you hit the road for a big out-of-conference game on Saturday. It was South and Lawrence North right before Christmas. It was North and Noblesville uh, last month, and last week it was Homestead and Marion. You guys dropped that one to Marion last Saturday. But I see the trend here. You want to challenge your guys after a, a tough Friday night and come back and have to turn the page. Yeah, you know, you know, a lot of people gave us a lot of criticism last year uh, for our non-conference schedule, and really what had happened was that by playing that type of schedule, it kind of prepared us for sectional. So when it came back to play back-to-back tough games, our kids had seen it before. So regardless of win or loss, they had been they remembered how hard you got to compete in order to get those type of victories. So when sectional came around last year, our kids were used to it. Whereas some teams. Uh, they don't schedule them as tough as we did. So, uh, you know, we're going to try to stick with that format, man, because it seems to work for us because our kids understand that you got to play with energy, not just one night, but two nights in a row. And so it's just a matter of preparing. And uh, once we get prepared, we know we have to compete. So uh, we thought it, we think it works pretty good for us. Coach, you guys started one and six. Then you get Quaylen Pettis back. You're eight and four since. What does he mean to this basketball team? Oh, my goodness, man. I don't, where do I start? Uh, you know, the, the, the couple of things. One, Pettis has been on Boston since he was a freshman. So, you know, he brings a lot of experience to the table. Uh, but more importantly, he's also our point guard. He's also the heart of our team. So you're talking about a kid that's been in a lot of games, been in a lot of situations. Uh, he calms the team down. There's no situation where you're really looking at a kid that hasn't been in that situation. So he's able to kind of say, hey, Jump on my shoulder, guys, and I'm going to show you how to do this. And so, as your point guard, man, it's even more vital because here's the guy that's setting up everybody else. And, you know, to be honest with you, uh, I really thought that we were going to be really, really good early because I wasn't anticipating him not being there. Uh, and I was kind of scared that by this time of the year we would fall down because I thought maybe we would peak earlier. But by adding him later in the year, it allows some other kids to gain their confidence, especially our big guy, Bainey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the supporting cast has really been guys that have stepped up. And what did you learn about your group? It wasn't like you were playing a bunch of bad teams with that one and six start. It was a difficult schedule for you. But what did you find out about your group during that period and then how they bounced back once Quaylen came back? You know, it's, it's so funny because, you know, we look at the whole picture that, you know, our goal is to win next. So one of the things I was able to find out early was that, you know, our kids were trying to compete. We just, at the time, didn't know how to compete. But every time we came to practice, you know, I said, well, what's the takeaway we could take from this game? And they said, oh, we didn't compete in the second quarter. Or, hey, we need to do more of that. But what I learned earlier is that kids were, they was focused and they wanted to win. We just didn't have that person on the court that's like that coach that was able to kind of help us out. So, uh, once we kind of, once we kind of got that and the kids realized that, 
this is something that you know, we can compete if everybody comes together. You know, so you know, it taught me early that we needed to, you know, we needed to keep moving in the same direction we wanted. But more importantly, for the kids to understand that in order for us to be a good team, it's going to take everybody, not just one guy adding to the roster. Coach, you guys had a busy December, busy January. You only have four games over the final four weeks of the regular season. Was that by design? Would you want to be playing more than you are, or are you going to use that uh, for a lot of practice time? Oh, definitely practice time. Man, that's definitely by design. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things I believe in is that, you know, practice, if you, if you do them correctly, they're rougher than the game. So we watch our practice film just like it's a game. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about certain things we want to focus on. And so this gives us an opportunity to focus on certain things yesterday. So we'll watch the film on that to start practice and then, then we'll go out and try to fix it. So, you know, this time allows us, you know, to really change who we are and get better in areas that we need. Coach, wanted to hit you with this question before we let you go. We saw Ed Bentley of Angola High School step down yesterday in the middle of the season uh, because of, you know, some behind-the-scenes thing going on. But kind of an all-encompassing question because we kind of see this more and more, not just in the area, but when we see stories coming out in different states about coaches being driven out by this or that. But in terms of your experience, do you feel that parents or even adults in general outside of a program are, have, are starting to have more and more impact within a program? And do you feel that uh, that's a dangerous precedent to set? Definitely, and it's it's a sad day when they when you see that Coach B is gone. Hey, man, that's a great coach. This guy, you know, he won at every level against almost anybody he faced. Uh, he seemed to have a great program going on. And like you said, you got a lot of outside people who wants to have influence on your program. It's a scary day for coaches because you never know if it's coming from the administrators or if it's coming from the parents. Uh, you, you just hope that they're on the same page to understand that the bottom line is to help the kids. So, you know, that can happen to anybody, myself included. There's no exclusion in that process. But, uh, you know, we live in a day and age now where, you know, the parents and the administration seem to have a little bit more input on the, on the program, not just basketball. And, uh, you know, that can happen to anybody. So, you know, you, you never know when it's your last day. But, uh, you know, you know if you're doing the right things in your heart. So, you know, I, I think every coach can say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm trying to do the right things. It may not be the way you guys want it. But, um, you know, it's sad when you see the situation that went down with Angola because I, I can definitely tell you that guy definitely 100% was a great coach. Do you have to approach, is it in your head ever when you're coaching that, man, I got to watch this or that? Because every kid reacts different. Every parent wants their kid coached different or is comfortable with how their kid is coached different. Do you have to guard against it? Do you treat kids different ways? Are you saying, look, this is my way. I'm not going to change it for anybody. And, you know, I'm just going to roll with it. You, you have to have a balance. You understand what I'm saying? So if the bottom line is that we're, we're doing it from an educational perspective, you you got to definitely be from a, a teacher perspective. So you're doing more teaching than anything else, whereas back in the day it was a little bit harder from a basketball perspective. Uh, but, you know, you try not to change every day. In other words, I don't go out and say, well, I'm going to treat this kid nicer because the parents is always there or not. You know, you got your standards and say, hey, this, I'm, I'm going to do my best to do right by you. I'm going to try to do right by the school. Uh, but there's a certain way I want to play basketball, and I'm hoping we can agree upon it. And if there is an issue, let's talk about it. Let's stay open where, you know, in the past you may not have been as eager to sit down and talk to a parent about every aspect, 
But you have to you have to hear some of the voice of opinions out there. And you may not change. You may say, hey, this is it for me, or I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. But you have to have the willingness to, to talk to from the administrators to the parents. You've got to make sure that you've got that open door policy where you're at least willing to hear what they got to say. Great insight from a coach's perspective. Coach, I appreciate and enjoy the week off. You guys are back in action against Concordia next Tuesday, then a big one at Carroll next Friday. Enjoy uh, the week of practice, and we'll talk to you down the line. Okay, thanks again, guys. Love your show. Appreciate it, Coach. That's Coach Rod Chamble, Northrop Bruins, joining us here. Uh, looking back at his team, 9-10 and record, but a very impressive win uh, last Friday night at Homestead. Two-point win, then went on the road to Marion, a 63-60 to loss on Saturday. That was the fourth back-to-back of the year for Northrop when you look at a challenging SAC game on a Friday, then bounce right back. They went Southside and Lawrence North on December 20th to 21st. They went Snyder and Kokomo, January 10th and 11th. They went Northside, no Noblesville, January 17th and 18th, and then Homestead and Marion last weekend. So you can see what Coach Chamble is trying to do in terms of challenging his guys over uh, a two-day stretch that potentially could pay off in sectional time. We see the girls having to do that tomorrow, playing a good team on Friday, good team on Saturday. So we'll see if it pays off for the Bruins down the line. Of course, defending sectional champions won a sectional a uh, year ago and uh, was knocked off by Carmel in the uh, regional 58 to 42 in the morning. We're going to take a break. Come back. We'll put a wrap on the show. This is the ESPN High School Coaches Show, ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM. Hi, this is Scott Howard with more sound advice for your business. Location, location, location. In the pre-internet world, these three words were often said to be the keys to your business success. The internet, of course, has changed everything. All businesses are easy to find and convenient to access online. But like the old yellow pages, it comes with a hitch. A search for what you sell will reveal a long list of your competitors. While there are tricks to being found online, the only sure way your business will be found is if potential customers search for you by your business name. Today, the most important location for your business is in the minds of your prospects. Businesses must establish a pre-need, pre-search preference, and ultimately capture top-of-mind awareness. If you want more help, send an email to scott at wobo.com and ask for eight ways to win. That's scott at wobo.com, scott at wobo.com, and ask for eight ways to win to capture better top-of-mind awareness. And join me next time for more sound advice for your business. There's always news about Notre Dame sports and the very latest is covered in the Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Download the Blue Gold Report. Go to ESPNFortWayne.com today. This Girl Scout cookie season, we Girl Scouts would like to say thank you, America. Thank you, cookie cravers, thin mint enthusiasts, peanut butter patrons, shortbread devotees. Every time you take a bite of a Girl Scout cookie, it's good for us. Your coconut and caramel cravings are our chance to practice goal setting. Your midnight snacks help us learn to manage money. Your freezers aren't just full of tasty treats. They're packed with entrepreneurship. That's right, entrepreneurship. You probably can't taste the business ethic or the decision making or the people skills, but they're in there in every single mouthful. Every time you eat what's in the box, we learn how to think outside of it. So raise a glass of milk and raise our chances to reach our potential. Eat up, America. We're counting on you. I'm Catalina. I'm Melody. I'm Katie. I'm Devin. I'm Hannah. I'm Abby. I'm Juliana. I'm Nicole. I'm Olivia. I'm Colette. I'm Stefania. And we approve this message. The Girl Scout Cookie Program. Think outside the box. 
Long ago, you wouldn't think of galloping on a horse while doing calligraphy. And you wouldn't have attempted to ride your bike while typing a letter. Yet you think you can safely operate a multi-ton vehicle while texting? Behind the wheel is no place to multitask. If you want to BRB, drive now and text later. Lives depend on it. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Becoming a professional race car driver takes time. Quitting smoking does too. It's not about stopping in one day. It's about starting with day one. Get the resources and support you need to quit smoking at cancer.org slash smokeout. You're listening to the High School Coaches Show on Fort Wayne Sports Station. ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back, everyone, to the final time here on a Thursday evening, ESPN High School Coaches Show. I'm Justin Kenny. He is D.C. Hendricks. Coming up tonight, 845 on this very station, you can listen to USC in Arizona. Arizona ranked number 23. That's actually a really good game. Arizona uh, is ranked, and USC is like 17-4, and 17-5, so uh, some Pac-12 basketball coming up on ESPN Radio 1380 tonight. 845 pregame, I think 9 o'clock is the tip-off. Tomorrow, doubleheader from Concordia. Starting at 6 o'clock, girls basketball, sectional semifinals. Garrett and Woodland will be followed by Concordia Lutheran and Angola. John Nolan will have all the action for you from the cage at Concordia. And uh, that's going to be it, I think, for the uh, basketball for the weekend, at least prep basketball. Uh, Purdue and Indiana on at 1 o'clock on Saturday. We'll talk plenty about that tomorrow, I'm sure, D.C. Hendricks, because it'll be you and I in the sports rush. That's right. I was going to say before the high school basketball game, tomorrow you can check us. us out absolutely for sure and maybe we'll 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 talk more about the uh the adults surrounding programs and parents affecting programs you have a young basketball player mm-hmm. young baller mm-hmm. have you he's young mm-hmm. playing hoops have you seen it at that age yet kid parents may be a little too vocal or involved as parents on their kids a couple really a couple a couple uh there's a couple very obnoxious ones man and there's what seven years old eight 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 nine year olds yeah that's brutal yeah. and it just gets worse as it goes yeah they like try to criticize the coach for making certain decisions <laughs> they're eight years old they're kids well they should be pressing what are they doing yeah it's like yeah, it's Sorry, it's difficult and this and and we're not, I'm not trying to take sides of the Ed Bentley thing. I don't know the complete story. I know some aspects of it, but everybody you talk to has a different opinion. But it's just the latest example of people outside of a program having probably more power than they should have, and uh, we witnessed it almost every year. I mean, we see and it's it's, it's successful coaches too that are pushed out that's the amazing thing it's not like bad coaches are getting pushed out these are good coaches and we saw on on social media yesterday a lot of former players come out and defend ed bentley and his style i I understand that his style is not for everyone Mm -hmm. and maybe it's a little old school and maybe it crosses a line at times Mm -hmm. um but he's an old military guy he's old army marine corps guy is just he's done it for years that's how he's always done things And, and i understand how that can that can ruffle some feathers um but at the same time it just feels like a latest, uh, another example of, of parents kind of maybe being a bit too involved in things. We see it in different sports. Um, there was actually a, a thing, a New York high school basketball coach, uh, had just taken his team to the state finals 
and announced this happened, uh, I think, in March of last year, announced that he was going to step down because of the public harassment he was getting from the decisions he made in that state championship game in New York. I mean, the guy had just taken his team to the state championship game and lost, and public harassment. He decided to resign. I mean, that's the stuff we're talking about. It's just crazy. It happens. Big city, small towns, the sticks, it happens everywhere. Yeah, and unfortunately, this all trickled down. You know, this starts at the professional level. Yeah. Where you can even compare it to that in NFL, NBA, MLB. Social media has just as much to say in who's the coach and team president. Apparently, I mean, even the Knicks just let go of their president. I, you know, I know they're terrible. And, like, right. you know, maybe that should have been the decision. But, you know, we're in a day and age where coaches are decided from social media and professional sports yeah. as well. So, you know, unfortunately, that's the day and age that we live in. Yeah, I mean, recently a Texas high school volleyball coach stepped down last January after parents constantly pressed her to get their children more playing time. Uh, a couple weeks before that, Minnesota high school basketball tre- coach resigned, citing constant abuse from parents. I mean, it's an epidemic, folks. I mean, something needs to happen. I'm not pointing fingers at any individual local issue, but all-encompassing, uh, what's going on out there? I mean, and D.C. says he's already hearing it at 8 and nine-year-old basketball and i hear it all the time from where i'm at what's going on it's an epidemic and we wonder why people don't want to be coaches and don't want to be officials it's it's just uh it's unbelievable and i think a lot of people need to to check themselves look themselves in the mirror and realize what is and is not important and um and 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 really kind of you know dial it back a notch because it's getting to be way way ridiculous but that's going to finish it up for us here on a thursday night thanks to rod jambo northrop bruins joining us eric thornton of the lady norwell knights came on to talk about uh his team's uh semifinal coming out tomorrow against mississippi and we kicked it off as we do each and every week at dan vance of outside the huddle.net that's going to do it for us we'll be back next thursday six o'clock right after the sports rush Oh, and you can check DC and myself out tomorrow on the Sports Rush 4 to 6, taking you home on a Friday afternoon. Till then, have a good night. We'll talk to you later. This has been the ESPN High School Coaches Show on ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.